Listening to the Important Cinema Club, and my name's Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Will Sloan and Matthew Kumar and Emily Milling, and we've had a few Santa Claus. <laughs> oh my God, Santa's here! We've had a few rum and eggnogs. We watched a few movies. The, the fire is going. Uh, we've got our stockings up. The the snow is falling outside, and we're waiting for the big man. To, well, he he just arrived. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Me, Santa Claus. Oh, what, Santa. What it? it sounds like Homer Simpson. <laughs> someone to do a Homer Simpson impersonation. If well, someone was doing a Homer Simpson impersonation. <laughs> so this is going to be a very chaotic episode. Kind of like wow, a party. Wow, Matthew, you're back. You just missed Santa Claus. <laughs> I missed Santa? Oh, no. He probably no, wasn't. I'm still here. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know why Will said that. <laughs> That's very confusing. Ah, uh, so that was a great bit. But I think it was... Hey, it? come on. You do fucking accents all the time on this show. <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> that was an accent. <laughs> what accent was that exactly? Uh, North Santa Pole. Fat, fat guy. I can't even break in to say that this episode is going to be very chaotic. It's it's the special important cinema club Christmas special crossover uh, edition. because yeah. we have uh, Matthew Kumar here from Loose Cannons, and we have the editor of FilmTrap.com, Emily Milling. Because that means something. Yeah, the yeah, editor of FilmTrap.com. Come on. Uh-huh. So we SEO. we all picked a movie and we're going to talk about it. And each one is a Christmas movie. And we're going to start right from the get-go with the best of the bunch. And that is Jingle All the Way. Emily, why did you pick Jingle All the Way? Why is it important for you? Okay, aside from the fact that you and I watch it every single year because it is our favorite Christmas movie together. I grew up watching this movie did not realize how important it was to have our Arnold Schwarzenegger in my life, but now I understand how impactful he is to planet Earth, and I really only knew him as the dad in Jingle All the Way growing up. Were you very aware of him as an action star? When not you... at all. How would this movie make sense? <laughs> had, I don't think it did. <laughs> you had no questions about no, Arnold Schwarzenegger I, and his accent? Like, no. like, when I was a kid, one of the appeals of this movie was that it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that I was allowed to see, mm-hmm. right? See, that's interesting because when I was a kid, I never saw Jingle All The Way because I had seen all of his action films up to that point, and it just seemed, why is he in this lame Christmas movie with a stupid white kid? And all? Hey, I just, first I of all, Jingle All The Way is not lame. It is the greatest... <laughs> The most amazing Christmas movie of all time, but also his performance. I mean, oh. come on. You're my number one customer. <laughs> I am not the pervert. I mean, I, Let's all quote it I, I mean, I agree. As an adult, I've come back to it, and I understand it is a masterpiece of Christmas cinema, basically. Spirit? Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the best Brian Levant film, I, I would mean, say. Really, the reason we come to Jingle All The Way, it's not just for the Schwarzenegger. It's for the Sinbad. Oh, hell yeah. I think that it's for the stylistic uh, innovation that Brian Levant brings to the film. Well, I think Brian Levant, as a stylist, Brian Levant's most impressive credit is the Flintstones. (laughs) That's right. I watched that recently. Uh, It's almost like a Michelle Gondry movie now. It's so fun. Um, But uh, so Jingle All the Way is, of course, the story of a... uh, um, workaholic suburban dad from New Jersey uh, who, uh, you know, can't make it to his son's belt ceremony. Yeah. Which for some it. reason yeah. is like the, the day before Christmas. Belt. Come on, right. get your priorities straight. Um, and so Arnold, to make it up to his son and to prove once and for all that he's a good dad, has to get the toy that his son wanted for Christmas, which is a Turbo Man doll, which is kind of like Tickle Me Elmo or something. That's like, it's the big toy of the season. But uh uh-oh, he waited too long. It's sold out all over town. So this film follows his odyssey uh, running around Manhattan, I believe. Yeah. yeah. No, Twin Cities, Minnesota. Yeah. (laughs) Jingle All the Way. We talked about this on our Arnold Schwarzenegger episode that Matthew was already also on. Is that it's that magical world where no one treats Arnold like a weird kind of other. The fact yeah. that he's like just a normal dad yeah. trying to do normal dad and yet, things. And yet he is an Austrian bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah. And there's Can't this whole subplot. Press your way out of this one. <laughs> there's the whole subplot where Phil Hartman is the neighbor who wants to cuckold him. Yeah, and also, uh, all, and he's clearly fucking everyone else's wife yes. in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, but which makes no sense because he's Phil Hartman and Arnold Schwarzenegger is an Austrian bodybuilder. Bodybuilders aren't supposed to be good at sex. 
You're right, because their dicks are so small because of all the steroids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, Phil Hartman probably much better at it. Yeah, okay, you know what? You're right. Phil Hartman, probably the funniest thing in this movie. It's fantastic. And genuinely funny. Like, every um, line that comes out of it, his it, mouth. I see, not yeah, Balthazar. That you're overlooking the Belouche. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, Mr. Jim Belushi. The superior Belushi brother, <laughs> who shows up as a Santa Claus in this movie, that tries to uh, trick Arnold Schwarzenegger with a cheap uh, Turbo I, Man ripoff. Yeah, I counterfeit. Fit Turbo Man, and of course, it ends in the parade, uh, with featuring a cameo by Gilbert Gottfried and <laughs> and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in a jetpack Turbo Man costume, flying all over. I think you're Sinbad. confusing Gilbert Gottfried with the man who played Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, it's not Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> no, it's, no not. it's not. Oh dear. Okay, well, sorry. I, I'd like to announce my resignation from the important Cinema Club podcast. Will slugs down another rum and eggnog. <laughs> I've watched Jingle All the Way, like Emily said, with her almost year after year and it's always funny it always there's just something like special about it and it it all comes down pretty much to Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance Mm -hmm. in the way that like he's trying to react like a normal person would like this script I'm sure read very boring and if it starred someone like Jim Belushi we would have forgotten it long ago well I have a story about this movie I saw it in a theater uh, when I was uh, seven years old and this was also the the time that I first saw the Siskel and Ebert show <laughs> where they did their list of the 10 best movies of 1996 <laughs> were you waiting for Jingle All the Way to show up well they gave it thumbs down but I recall that I I loved this show so much that I asked my dad to like film our own like Siskel and Ebert type thing where we did our top five movies of 1996 and this video exists somewhere where it's where the, my top five movies included Jack with Robin Williams and, uh, you love that scene where um, sex offender and Robin Williams <laughs> fart into uh, Tupperware oh containers yeah Bill Cosby you mean yeah, yeah. that's right um, and uh, The Phantom was on my list first kid <laughs> Uh, first kid but the number one movie was Jingle All the Way and if you watch the video my dad is being very diplomatic and like, oh yeah I forgot about that one but my dad's number one movie was Fargo and his number two movie was The English Patient oh, but, no. but, I mean I, both of you had bad taste at that time I guess Fargo? Come on uh, The English Patient? Yeah it's not very good uh, my dad you know middle brow guy um, and it's great to watch because you can see me getting more and more frustrated as it goes along that these are all movies that are rated R and that I can't see <laughs> maybe they'd be maybe these would on my top five list if I could see him. Well, basically, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you know, we need like an 11 year anniversary screening. Is what uh, you're more, try 20 year anniversary <laughs> oh, screening. Oh, yeah, math is not my forte. Yeah. No, it's sort of like the day the, the, clown, the day the clown cried. You can only watch it five years after Will's day. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why That's what Jerry Lewis wrote in his will. Yeah. <laughs> With your specific video yeah, that people yeah. get to watch. Or we could do Wait, a so recap video. After- he dies? Or that I die? I know, like, like, when Generalist dies, dude, they open the, the vault and there's like two videos in there. And this video of you saying Jiggle All the Way is the best film of that year. Oh boy. I mean, I think that we should do a retake and you do a top five of 1996 again. Shockingly, Will says Jingle All the Way, number one still. Maybe. Yeah, we don't know. So, do you know the fan theory about uh, yes. Jingle All the Way? I do, but I'd like you to share it. Yeah. Um. So, um. There's the uh, Zine Kill You Last, which um the writer Will Jones writes, and uh he's obsessed with like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he writes this theory, which is that Sinbad is a guy who his son died mm-hmm. and he has no one to actually get that toy for, but he's just, he loved Christmas and he wants to be still wrapped up in the situation. So he's just made it his purpose to like screw up things for Arnold Schwarzenegger so he can feel part of the Christmas spirit because he's really sad and alone. And when you watch this one with that mindset, all of Sinbad's ins- insanity it just feels very disturbing. It's kind of like planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah, it's yeah. like planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah. It always bothered me at the end. That, like, Jake Lloyd gives him that Turbo Man doll. Sinbad is not giving that doll to his son. He's going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Probably for true. a long time. Yeah, Where is he going? I don't understand. I never understood that either. Yeah. And the other thing, the other, my other favorite thing in uh, Jingle of the Way is the part where they kill a bunch of policemen. <laughs> when the bomb goes when off. the bomb goes off. And you, at that point, you're like, whoa, a lot of policemen just died there. They show up later. You know, they're well, no, no, on it, duty and they've got their hands in bandages yeah. and then they get hit by a bus. Yeah. And, you know. Well, it cuts back to the police after the bomb went off and like they all have like soot on their faces and they look like the roadrunner or, or <laughs> the coyote after he gets blown up. But they're still alive. Yeah. I mean, and Sinbad also in this film throws out a lot of 96 jokes <laughs> that like only for oh, the yeah. adults pretty much. Yeah. I'm this was his of... star making vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sinbad is one of those actors that I believe after Jingle All the Way that I like kept an eye out for him in any other film. A little bit disappointed that what was it, Major Pain? I assumed it was no, Sinbad. That was, that was David, David, David Wayans. Wayans. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did go on to be in that genie movie in an alternate reality, right? That everyone loves. <laughs> yeah. 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 Kazam. I saw on VHS shelves everywhere the, at the video store. Yeah. I never rented it. Spoiler: It actually starred Shaq. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There is no Sinbad. But the, the actual Sinbad chronology is House Gap. Mm-hmm. and then first kid and then this one and then i don't think any other oh he's in meteor man wait so sinbad was in two of your top f- f- five films yeah from 1996 yeah it was the year of sinbad you were sinbad crazy yeah will sloan jim carrey and sinbad the yeah end. so like if you do start to die with your make a wish that just like sinbad shows up at your bedside i bet he'd do it you know i feel like i don't even need to do the make a wish thing to get sinbad to visit me <laughs> Um, Sinbad, if you're listening. I think offer him a bowl of soup and perhaps he'll... (laughs) You think, like, Sinbad at this point in his life is just doing that, like, jingle all the way shtick and nobody really knows who he is? Sinbad was one of those guys who, like, in in kind of, like, when Jay Leno was hosting The Tonight Show, he would have this stable of washed-up comedians that he was loyal to that he would bring on. Mm. And Sinbad was one of those guys. Wow, really? Have you ever seen any of his stand-up? Uh, No. No, me neither. Yeah. Matthew? Maybe well, I mean, good. I've seen him standing up at the side of the road <laughs> at Los Angeles Freeway holding a, holding a sign that says, I was in Jingle All The yeah. Way. Yeah. Not Shazam. Yeah. He's not cool with a podcast like us. That's right. Yeah. You know, local cinemas will screen Jingle All The Way for $3 every mm-hmm. year. So I'm sure he makes royalties off of that. When Maybe we not. saw it, a screening of it, the children cheered when Turbo Man saved the sun at the end. Um, not just children, you and me. <laughs> yeah, we did. We heard them doing it and we're like, oh, okay, it's okay, we can do it too. And I mean, we cheer every year, come on. I do love the end, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife sees him in that Turbo Man outfit, she's like, oh yeah, that's my husband. And you're like, he's a bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah, she never like, knew. Because he's like, so, ooh, Howard, yeah. because his name is Howard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is even like, his name is Arnold, which is also already kind of a silly name for a big muscular guy. But like Howard seems even dumber for some reason. <laughs> but Phil Hartman even says you can't bench press your way out of this one. And she doesn't know that he's a bodybuilder already. Yeah, maybe like in this universe, if Arnold like under the suit is all like flabby and stuff, like we never see his actual body. My other favorite scene in the movie before we move on to the next movie is when he's trying to get that red ball. Um, <laughs> and this this kid gets the red ball and Arnold tries to tries to like convince him to give the ball and be like ah little boy I will give you strudel yeah <laughs> he does not say that, that. is hyper embellishment Whoa. of that yeah. scene I knew this episode was going to get racist I didn't yeah. realize I was going to will first yeah that's right that's right <laughs> Just why doesn't he just talk to the mom? Why is he crawling through the jungle gym? Oh, uh, like, he's got Turbo he Man fever. In the ball pit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you guys? Did you guys want a Turbo Man after seeing this yeah, film? Of Will? course, yeah. I still do. Was there Turbo Man action? Figures? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. What a mar- wasted marketing opportunity. Yeah. Matthew, you wanted to bring another movie, a Christmas classic, and what is that? Yeah, Scrooged. It's the best Christmas movie. Will? Not a big fan, honestly. Yeah, obviously we wouldn't be a fan of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like teeing it up like yeah. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right. Guys, so Scrooged for me is one of my favorite Christmas movies as well, mostly because I love Bill Murray, and the movie does that great thing, which is that it's like super sappy, it's funny as well, and then sad out of nowhere in a way that you're like, as a kid, you you go, I can't believe that this person is dead, which they are. There's a yeah. homeless man played by Michael J. Parler that dies. I mean, for me, this is like my Christmas movie, right? This is the one I watch basically every year. It's like a family. We all sit down and watch it. I mean, and it's like you've got you've seen it so many times by this point, like twenty or thirty times or something by this point that you that you know it inside out, so you barely need to pay attention to it. But for people who don't know it, it's a eighties retelling of a Christmas Carol, basically, where Bill Murray plays uh, Frank Cross. He is a angry, unpleasant television executive who believes that no one should have any joy on Christmas, and he's making everyone work on Christmas Eve. And then obviously, the previous uh, executive comes to him and says he's going to be visited by three ghosts who are played by uh, the guy at the New York Dolls, I forget his name. 
Um, Carol Kane. Carol Kane. Who Bill Murray supposedly hated working with because she would hit him for real. For real, yeah. He gets kicked in the balls quite a lot. And then, I don't know, some sort of death character who's not really anybody. But it's just, it's one of those movies where it's like, it's an interesting movie, actually. The backstory is that um, it was directed by... Richard Donner. Richard Donner and written by... Mike Glazer. Mitch Glazer. Mitch Glazer. Who was his, like, writer on SNL. Yeah, and he... and Bill Murray. Bill Bill Murray Murray. and uh, Mitch Glazer were super good pals, and Bill Murray actually hates this film, Mm. or famously doesn't like it, because he believes that Mitch Glazer's original perfect script was uh, ruined by Richard Donner. But... If you would go on to watch, for example, Passion Play, <laughs> which Mitch Glazer directed, written and directed by Mitch Glazer, and which has Bill Murray in it, you would be like, I don't think Mitch Glazer knows how to write or make a movie, so I'm pretty sure Richard Donner's the reason this movie's amazing. And it's very 80s, but it, it's just it's just a perfect movie. You know, it has all the, the aspects you want. You I know? mean, perfect is subjective in the sense that this is a very shaggy movie, like it's yeah. too long. Bill Murray improvises a lot in it. They, he just lets him run and do a thing, especially in that like final moment where he's just rambling onward as the camera kind of tracks up into the air. That was pretty funny. I mean, it comes down to like, do you want to see another telling of A Christmas Carol? Yeah, but it's a it's a unique telling of A Christmas Carol, right? Like a meta telling. Has of a all Christmas. of these like the beginning where like they have like the the what's it called the days the reindeer died. <laughs> yeah, that's right. With like a Santa meeting um, the, the bionic man. Yeah, six million dollar man. Six million dollar man and uh who's the guy in it bobcat goldways bobcat goldways oh uh, hey it's me bobcat (laughs) goldways and uh also like there's kind of like uh i don't i think there's kind of like a cultural sort of moment to it as well because like you see in the background like kind of against i think the studio's wishes these there's posters for like uh against south african apartheid (laughs) wow wow, i didn't know that yeah um well this is a movie that famously they shot it around December mm-hmm. and the studio refused to give uh, time off for any of the cast and crew. So Richard Donner fired everybody, everybody and then so they got the Christmas break off and then he rehired them all back on so they could work wow, again. Wow, somebody was a real... You Scrooge, know, yes. Scrooge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's completely meta, you know? Like, it's in, in line with the way that the movie works, you know? Did you watch Scrooge a bunch, Emily? I watched it one time at the end of a Christmas party where I had a lot to drink, so I remember the beginning. <laughs> I remember Bill Murray, and that's all I remember. Okay. <laughs> I've got a I've got a story that I read about Mitch Glazer and Bill Murray where Mitch Glazer's wife is the lady from Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh yeah, it's an AV Club y- interview. Y- yeah, you know this where like whenever Roadhouse is on TV, one of the Murray brothers will call up Mitch Glazer and it doesn't matter if it's three AM and they'll say, Hey Mitch, uh, Patrick Swayze's fucking your wife on TV. <laughs> Every time, supposedly, <laughs> yeah. like even in the middle of the night, the, one of the Murray brothers mm-hmm. will call Mitch Glazer. <laughs> like, and Mitch Glazer has become the chaperone for Bill Murray. Like, if you see him during interviews and stuff, Mitch Glazer is usually like standing off to the side just to make sure he doesn't run off or something like that. I like to imagine that all the Murray brothers get all the TV guides from all over the world, or they have like some stuff <laughs> for Roadhouse, for Roadhouse, so it doesn't matter where in the world. Hey. Uh, in, uh, yeah, in, um, Nambia, they're playing Roadhouse right now, so I guess your wife's getting fucked. Yeah. Um, so, Scrooged, I don't, like, I, I find it very kind of heavy and leaden, and I don't find it very funny, and I think that, uh, Bill Murray is at his kind of shoutiest and sort of least charming, but... What I will say is that I've seen part of this movie. I've seen all or part of this movie probably on TV every year. Oh, it was a TV station like, like, staple. Like I'm, I may watch when I go home. I may watch it again because it's the kind of movie that I will just like flip back and forth between this and Muppet Christmas Carol and like Jack Frost on you know a, a lazy Christmas night. I've never seen Michael Keaton's Jack Frost. Not even a minute of it. Not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Worse than Scrooge, I would say, <laughs> definitely. Um, so I don't know. It's a movie that I have uh, like a lot of affection for. Mm. Oddly enough, like um, it, it Scrooge feels like Christmas to me. Yeah. Um, even though I don't think particularly like it, but I, I also I do think like it. that it's a performance that if you don't get on the Bill Murray train for that one, like it will, you you're not going to go anywhere. I find his character very unappealing. I- yeah, yeah, I do yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. But it's a funny, well, unappealing. But I mean, he's kind of supposed to be unappealing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and when you get to his backstory, you see sort of why he's a huge jerk. Yeah. I gave you a pound of quality meat there yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. Niagara Falls. It's too good, man. It's too good. 
Did, did you see it as a kid, though? Yeah, multiple times. So that's also like a nostalgia thing. Yeah, that like, when you look back on it, it brings up warm memories of yeah. watching it as a child. Well, I liked it more when I saw it as a kid because it felt more grown up, which mm. I think this has been a recurring thing on the podcast. Any movie that I saw as a kid that felt grown up to me, without being actually too grown up, mm-hmm. I, I liked. And sometimes you've grown out of that. And that like layer of nostalgia has just washed away. Well, I was kind of feeling it again as I was watching Scrooge this time. I was watching it thinking, oh, yeah, like this New York setting and, and these kind of grungy angels um, yeah. and, you know, shouty Bill Murray. I remember why this felt sort of edgy You want me to, to me. staple the antlers on this mouse? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. So we watched two other movies and we watched it all together while eating finger food and drinking, again, rum and eggnog and a little bit of wine. We, I think that we down a bottle of it. You tell me, Will. Uh, y- yes, a bottle, <laughs> was, a bottle was downed. <laughs> and so we started with a Will Sloan classic, Ernest Save Christmas. So Emily, A worse movie than Scrooged, I would say. <laughs> oh my God. By far. Yes. Was, was Ernest big in your life, Emily? So my mom used to rent Ernest movies for me when I was a kid, like all the time. I remember none of them. And I'm so glad I don't because... He's horrifying. <laughs> and all of the close-ups and this weird fisheye lens situation happening. Why am I so close to his mouth? And why is he so sweaty? I think that the phenomenon of Ernest films being watched by children a lot may have something to do with the sheer economics of them probably being in the 99-cent family section. Yeah. Because I remember in the video store, the family section was always a dollar. So that's where we rented from. And that's where all the Ernest films and, like, fucking Jim Wynorski's Munchies was <laughs> or the Monster Squad. So Ernest, at me as well, like, I watched so many of his movies, probably endlessly, even though Ernest Scared Stupid scared the crap out of me. Uh, I loved Ernest. I big part of my childhood. You know, all the Ernest movies I've seen ten times each. Um, <laughs> except for some of the wow. later ones when I was growing up. Do you only remember visit them very well? Or are they uh, just like fuzzy, like they're all mushed together in your brain? Some of them are mushed together. I, I would say the one I remember the best, oddly enough, is Ernest Rides Again. <laughs> that one I can remember almost seen for sure. Isn't that like his, one of his final pictures? It's like a mid-period one. It was right after the Touchstone era ended. So How one... many did he have? Probably eight or nine, I think. Oh. Uh, yeah. Matthew, did Ernest cross... Uh... <laughs> Scottish barriers. <laughs> or is he specific to the American South? The thing is that, like, I definitely saw Ernest Goes to Camp when I was very small. Mm-hmm. Like, not really old enough to remember anything about it. And I have memories of Ernest Goes to Jail and Scared Stupid. Mm-hmm. But I remember not liking Scared Stupid. Too scary. It's, no, it's not scary. It's just Too like, scary. It's Too stupid. Of, <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those films where they put a lot of kids in it. Yeah. yeah. So you're supposed to be like, oh, I could be one of those kids. But kids don't like that. They yeah. don't want to view themselves as a kid in this situation. Wait, I have a question. So he wasn't stupid before and he was scared stupid, right? I think you're well, it overthinking depends, it. It depends on the Ernest chronology. <laughs> it, it, it specifically, also... The spoiler in the title that he saves Christmas, as opposed to Ernest attempts to save Christmas. Does he? Does he not? You'll have to watch this movie to find out. By the way, speaking of Ernest chronology, well, I'll get to the plot of the movie in a minute, but there's a great scene when Santa, like, sees Ernest for the first time. He says, oh, I remember Ernest, a good boy, not that bright. He grew up with a boy named... Vern? <laughs> and I love that because it expands the Ernest mythos because it's like now you know that like they weren't just grown up neighbors together like Ernest and Vern have been together since like but, the cradle. I mean, that's one of the things that would never never translated right? Cause because we, Vern was a character in, in the, the Ernest a- commercials. That we'd never have seen. So right. Ernest was just a very simple man with a rubber face who sometimes <laughs> helped children's and Santas and things like that. Like it wasn't it, like I remember him but he was never like a it, again 99 cent bit. Yeah type of situation you know i think that Ernest, the link that as a child why me will and emily probably had a lot of affection for him was the jim carrey link that Ernest was like the poverty road jim carrey yeah. <laughs> well i mean i just liked any comedian who made funny faces. yeah i mean i was yeah. thinking for you well that it fits in that lineage of uh jerry lewis <laughs> yeah uh Ernest p warrell uh jim carrey you know it's like one stephen chow one that's the link like, well i mean i mean not like stephen chow that much i no. mean well i mean putting value judgments aside yes i mean they're all they're all they all appeal to me in the exact same way as a kid wow i can't wait until no he's already dead i was gonna make a joke about how there's a there's a vault where uh the Ernest holocaust movie is being <laughs> 
So Ernest saves Christmas. Uh, it, we open with Ernest as a taxi driver uh, in it, Florida for some reason. In a Three Stooges like, how did they get this job scenario? Yeah, uh, he he's a monstrous taxi driver. <laughs> really a bad a bad driver. And, and we're introduced to him in like a low angle, wide angle. Like this is a body it's horror film. Like yeah. like so many horrifying close ups of his. Get ghastly face. Sweaty, sweaty face. Oh, very sweaty. And like some of the early scenes, we see his shirt drenched in sweat. <laughs> so sweaty. And I mean, Varney, you got to hand it to him. Jim Varney is like the hardest working man and in show threw, business. There's a close up of him pushing his lips together <laughs> and they could not get like more close. <laughs> yeah. Like if you zoomed this... in and like just had the still of his lips, people would be like, well, this is a porno of some kind. Right. Because like his lips are like emitting this gross white ooze. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed that, but it's yeah. just like, what is this, like, secreting from his mouth? It's disgusting. You, you don't want to know. And oh we watched God. it in, like, Blu-ray quality, oh. so we saw, yeah. like, every pore of Ernest's face. Not just him, but the other actors, Everybody too, is sweaty. was so, like, <laughs> gross-looking. It's like there was no makeup department on that movie. And just visually speaking, the whole thing is shot in kind of, like, drab earth tones. Um, it's, it's not a very visually appealing film. And also, there's the whole subplot with... I haven't even said what the main plot is. There's, there's the subplot with like the fat guy and the skinny guy, and like their faces are so sweaty and horrible as and well. And there's no jokes either in those segments. The only jokes in this movie is Ernest making faces. Okay, so the plot is so he's a horrible taxi driver, and when he's at the airport, um, he and this is like December twenty third. Okay, <laughs> Santa Claus comes to Florida because a shitty looking Santa. A Claus. shitty looking Santa Claus. Uh, he's realized that his Santa powers are going away and he needs to find a new Santa to pass the torch to in time for Christmas. So he finds this local children's entertainer who is, uh, and this local children's entertainer is trying to choose between a career as a big movie star. Starring in in weird monster movies. Yeah, because apparently Florida has a booming, like, (laughs) entertainment industry in this film. He goes from nobody to starring in a film within hours. Yeah, but but he yeah. Now, Santa isn't very good at promoting himself, so nobody believes he's really Santa, which gets at that... That problem of all Santa movies where, like, if Santa exists... And he's delivering presents. He he exists in the diegesis of this world. He's a fact. Presents show up. How can people not believe in him? He's he's real. (laughs) Yeah, he is real. The the minute you become an adult and realize that presents are arriving for your children, you'd be like, oh, I guess Santa's real. I should start believing in him. Yeah, and it's not not even a matter of belief anymore. (laughs) It's like there's tangible proof. I mean, to to spoil this Ernest Borgnine lookalike slash child entertainer in the picture that's supposed to take over Santa's mantle, only decides that, oh yes, I will be Santa after seeing the sleigh flying around the sky. Well, That's the right. problem is that much like the Santa Claus, he is forced to murder Santa to become Santa. <laughs> and he just doesn't want to do it. And that sequence of Ernest watching him stab Santa repeatedly <laughs> in the guts oh is just God. so hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's really real. It's so real. <laughs> because you see those close-ups, the glistening blood. Yeah. His sweaty the face. Coming out of yeah. his body. Yeah. 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 Ernest, like, everywhere. Ernest is like helping him holding his hand yeah. <laughs> it's like deliverance <laughs> i mean there's that guy that keeps squealing like, like a, a pig, pig. In the movie. Yeah. um oh. so this movie is i guess like 85 minutes long or so. <laughs> long. maybe 90 i don't know wait are you sure that it's not four hours wait, well, it felt like it whoa this chair fell sorry are you okay emily almost yes. falling out of your chair no it's just totally not <laughs> back you can restart if you want this is a film that also Ernest is treated like the shark in Jaws in that there's like 20 minutes yeah. of him. We follow this child entertainer just going about his job and we're like, what? why are we and, looking at this And there guy? are a lot of like sad scenes of Santa trying to explain that he's Santa to people and nobody believing him. And then there's a whole other subplot with this uh, like 16-year-old uh, runaway who's sort of like, we're not sure if she's on Ernest's side, if she's helping Santa. I mean, she's hanging out with him a lot. Yeah, too much, I think, <laughs> for a 16-year-old runaway. They have kind of a like like a Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster, taxi driver relationship. <laughs> well, and she spends a lot of time stealing all of Santa's gifts. So, you know, she's only trying to get one thing from whoever she's around. Yeah. Toys. Gifts. <laughs> gifts. Yeah. No, she hates all the toys. She wants stereos and jewelry. Like, the good stuff. Mm. Yeah, stuff you can pawn easily. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's like 20 minutes of like really top-tier earnest material in this. And then he, a, he a plays lot a of, bunch of characters. Yeah. It's like a Marx Brothers movie in that way. Like, a lot, a lot of downtime between the funny stuff. I mean, we get a lot of earnest 
when he finally uh, decides to help Santa out and he jumps in his sleigh and he goes off into the sky like 30 minutes yeah, he, of him he, doing that. He flies that sleigh for like 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And he actually flies around planet Earth, I, I want to yeah. say at least 50 times because if we're cutting back and forth and you watch him go around three times per cut away, it's at least 50 times for the the entire duration that you're watching this thing. And I'm like, how is he not dead? I don't understand. He's, he's also in outer space as he <laughs> like, does well, that. But as, as we've established... Ernest, Ernest is, can't die. He can't, yeah. No only, one in Christmas only, movies yeah. can die, let's be real. Only an Ernest can kill another <laughs> Ernest. <laughs> and just like in this film, where a handshake turns someone into Santa Claus, Ernest also shaking someone's hand will turn them into Ernest. Well, we figured out that's why Ernest can't be Santa Claus. Yeah. That's right. Because, because he's Ernest. He's like the anti-Claus. <laughs> yeah. It's like you. there are certain elemental yeah. like beings. The Easter Bunny, Santa, Ernest. Yeah. <laughs> Easter Bunny, who is also a character in this film as the kind of post credit sequence. Oh, yeah. The, oh, oh it's kind of it's kinda like an Avengers type of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. They see they're going to set up the whole like Avengers with like Santa Claus, Ernest, Easter Bunny. And yeah. They have to protect the world from like some alien force. I, I mean, Jim Carrey's probably there too, I guess. <laughs> but there's that subplot with the fat guy and the skinny guy, the Laurel and Hardy guys, basically, mm-hmm. um, as they're getting a shipment at the airport of the reindeer. And it keeps cutting back to this subplot, but the subplot never develops because it's just a variation of the same joke where the Mm. reindeer are on the roof and the the fat guy and skinny guy are like, whoa. Oh, it's alien goats. Now I'm thinking I kind of want to see like, you know, an Avengers film with all of history's greatest funny men. So you've got your (laughs) your Jim Cady, your Jerry Lewis, your Ernest all in a squad together. Well, I mean, at least one of those guys, two of those guys are dead. Uh, CGI. CGI, man. No, you're right. You're right. We CG them. Oh, you know who could direct it? Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. So uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. Did Did everyone enjoy it no No. not at all it actually made me hate christmas (laughs) it also had that like grimy look to it like they use like short ends or like expired stock it looked like bill lustig was behind the camera or something like that. well i'm gonna have to give it a thumbs up because uh (laughs) because jim varney worked really hard for us and i think we owe it to him i mean you can tell because of how gross and sweaty he was at one point he's like talking to a kid and he has one bloodshot eye why no but it wasn't just bloodshot it was like his whole fucking like a a thing in his eye exploded and i think it's he's working so hard he's earnesting so hard You know, it, it had been a while since I had actually seen an Ernest movie all the way through. So um, it was great to be reunited with all of Ernest's characters, like the old lady that he pretends to be. or uh, The snake handler. The snake handler. <laughs> or the part where he does a John Wayne voice for some reason. You remember he does that, that multiple times yeah. in the movie. Because there's nothing the kids love more than a little bit of John Wayne. Oh, but the actual key moment of this movie is... So when Ernest is in his taxi, he opens his glove compartment and the camera lingers for about three seconds on this bumper sticker that he has in there that says, keep Christ in Christmas. (laughs) So Ernest is, you know, a mega guy. You can, you can can, like, well, you can think Christmas should be about Christ and not be like a a make American great again. Okay. But like, let's be realistic. If you have a Christ and Christmas sticker. Well, also, Ernest is dead, so he's established. You're saying he would become one of those? Yeah, I I think without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know Jim Varney's politics, but. Well, we're not talking about Jim Varney. We're talking about Ernest the character. Okay. Yeah. Well, Ernest is very gullible, right? So you're saying saying Slinky Dog would support uh, Trump? I don't know, man. No, I'm I'm saying Ernest. Ernest. Ernest the (laughs) character. You know what? Now that you say it, he's like very gullible and he's like, oh, this guy just wants to change things, right? Right? Oh, I'll do a bunch of voices. I can see Jim Varney getting up on stage at like a Trump like um, pre- a rally and he's like the old woman with the neck brace oh, and yeah, everything yeah. like that. Mr. Trump understands the political I, I actually, correctness is keeping us down. I actually oh can't see that. Yeah. It's kind of depressing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Well, you ruined Ernest's Christmas for me, a movie that I loved up until that moment. <laughs> but we saved the best for last. I mean, oh, fun. the best. God. <laughs> when we talk about Christmas, a lot of people our age think of a little film called Home Alone. We didn't watch that one. We watched the one that I watched so many times as a kid, and that's Home Alone 2, which, to our horror, when it started playing, we saw it was 120 minutes. Ugh. Now, Home Alone 2 is bad. So yes. bad. It's a pale imitation of the first movie. 
a film that even on its own is not that good. And I, I just want to throw it out there. All these adults who love the Home Alone movies, um, I'm going to throw down. I, I want to say to those adults, what's wrong with you? These movies are wish fulfillment fantasies for children. Yes. Like, grow the fuck up. <laughs> do you mean Do you mean adults like our parents or adults that are people Our parents our do not like the Home Alone okay, movies. Okay, no, but I think our parents like the Home Alone movies because they kept... <laughs> not mine. No, no, not mine. No, no, they, they kept us quiet for, you know, mm, however fine. long. Yeah. And we didn't. I mean, they probably love the Ernest films in that respect. Yeah, that, you're right. Yeah, they probably. love pacifiers. <laughs> and I believe uh, your dad loves the English piece. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shockingly, Home Alone 2 was the third favorite film of the year. I mean, I will say that I would rather watch Home Alone 2 again than The English Patient because it's an hour shorter. <laughs> I don't know what it feels about as long as The yeah. English Patient. So, for people that don't know the plot of Home Alone 2, I don't know how. He's lying there with a bunch of bandages on his face. <laughs> And he explains the story of how he fell in love. I don't know. It's very confusing. Ke- Kevin accidentally winds up in New York j- just just before Giuliani has taken power. And, uh, and oh, baby, does he find out his value on the streets? <laughs> it's a hellscape. Yeah. With, um... Imagine Bad Lieutenant. Now, this is a film where Kevin McAllister, his incredibly irresponsible parents, they really have a discussion with Child Protective Services, somehow lose him again. His rich parents, by the way. What about yeah. that house they have? That oh, is insane. Oh, my God. Something that we just accepted, just no problem as kids, yeah. that they live in this giant mansion. This is the same of any movie from, like, the John Hughes assembly line. Mm-hmm. It's all these rich assholes in their giant houses who can't be bothered to set uh, an alarm to go off and then don't pay attention to their children. How would you not look behind you when you're boarding a plane? Also, the child that they literally lost only the year before. Yeah. And who they treat like garbage. Mm-hmm. The, like, if if your child the year before, you had forgotten him at home, he had fought for his life against, like, robbers. And then the, the next Christmas, when he gets a little bit mouthy because he was bullied at the pageant that he By was at. Older brother, that <laughs> as a parent to apologize. As a parent, you would go, well, maybe that'll happen to you again this year. <laughs> like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then the worst thing is, is that when they discover he's missing, you talk to the police, they start laughing about it because it's happened once already. And the policeman is like looking at them, like you don't understand. Your child could be taken by a man and being. You know, tortured to death right now. You know, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we realize. Sorry, mm. <laughs> got real there." Well, well, I, I think because of Home Alone one, they assume that their kid Kevin would, um, you know, hold his own, and he would um, smash people with paint buckets, which he does. Right. Because this film, Kevin McAllister, in a true Austin Powers fashion, just pale recycled jokes from the first one. <laughs> like, guess what? He's gonna play with the Wait, VCR was, again. Was pale a pun? No. Like a paint pail? Uh, like yeah. Pail. Yeah, sure. It was a fun. <laughs> well, I mean, but unlike Austin Powers, it takes you an hour and a half from to do any of those things. <laughs> there, there are a lot of scenes. I mean, again, these movies are wish fulfillment fantasies for children, I guess. So a lot of the movie is just Kevin McAllister as a little kid running around New York by himself, which I guess if you're a kid, that's a fun idea. It's a terrifying idea if I was Kevin McAllister's age. Yeah. Um, and he, he goes to the... Uh, Duncan's toy chest yeah, or something like uh, that? The, the, uh, Where the ghost of Duncan <laughs> is uh, manning the cash register. Yeah, he's got the hotel that he's at. What the fuck's it called the again? The plaza. The plaza, yes. Yeah, which yeah, I think yeah. is actually the Trump... I know, Trump, it's famous. It's the Trump plaza. And right, spe- speaking of Trump, I uh, guess who we see in a short cameo in this film. Yep, he walks past Kevin and then checks him out as he walks away. <laughs> yes, yeah. he does. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a lot of hair in that shot, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, sure. and he still does. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so this movie, obviously, all the same beats as the first one. Another person that Kevin believes to be insane. Oh, no, they're really nice. In this case, Academy Award winner. Brenda Fricker. Who, from uh, My Left Foot, who's a crazy pigeon lady in this. And also... The mum in So I Imagine Next Murderer. Yes. <laughs> Where she does a fucking terrible Scottish accent. She's also in uh, Masterminds with Patrick Stewart. A Home Alone ripoff. Yeah, from the director of Wait, Battlefield so Earth. Like Patrick Stewart's parents leave him at Home Alone? And he has to fight <laughs> off it's like Die Hard in a middle school. <laughs> with but, Patrick Stewart in the Bruce Willis role. I just imagine like Patrick Stewart. No, in the Stewart. Alan Rickman I know, role. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. Uh, and this pigeon lady lives on top of Carnegie Hall. Yes. Okay, but 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 listen, for about 90 minutes, I was bored stiff of this movie. I hated it. I wanted it to be over. Then uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern... Uh, uh, back as the wet bandits. Back as the wet bandits start getting hit with paint cans and bricks and stuff. And, you know, 
I think as we were going into this movie, you and I agreed that the Home Alone movies, the violence was too real. It was yeah. too unpleasant. And in the, fir- the first bit when, Ke- when Macaulay Culkin is throwing bricks at Daniel Stern... I found it intensely unpleasant. Wait, Emily's shaking her head. What you you find it's it hilarious? So, it's just so unrealistic, and it's just I I've seen too many horror movies now to know that that can't possibly happen. You can't walk away from that. Well, yeah, but I, it's played real too. Well, the thing <laughs> is, like the mark it leaves on Daniel Stern's head looks really real. <laughs> And it, but it looks like a tiny little scrape as though he like brushed his head with a brick. But that's the thing. It's like, obviously, if he threw a brick from that distance, Daniel Stern would be dead. But instead of doing that, it, he's replaced it with what looks like violence or pain that we're all familiar with. Like if we like it hit our head, our head yeah. that's what it would look like. And so you look at it, it's like, oh, that hurts. But as it went along, me and Will, it won us over. We, we started laughing so hard at some of the shenanigans. I, you know, what can I say? And, you know, uh, Matthew here sat stone-faced through it all. But, you know. Uh, it, and as he was talking about it and the realism of the violence, he said something very clear that he'll never like Home Alone or anything like it. And that's because. Oh, it's because I don't like the City Studios either. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can watch any number of City Studios shorts completely passionless. We've given him the best. A plumbing we will go. Yeah, and I watch it and I go, what is good about this? And it's the same deal. Watching it will just get hurt repeatedly. It's just not funny to me. And like, there are lots, I mean, we say that it's like, it's like, it's realistic but not realistic, right? Yeah. It's that, it's that weird. It's middle, too realistic. It's but, that yeah. weird middle ground. But when you see them like slam on the ground, like they fall so like the the thing with the paint cans, and then they hit them with that uh, a big a, like banister, big banister thing, and then they flags on them. Like it just, it's just, it's just unpleasant to me. You <laughs> but know? I like, actually think on this viewing, it was that unpleasantness that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was yeah. like it was so it was so real that it was like really kind of it was it was cartoonish, but it was also just real enough to be really awkward so, and painful. The thing is, I don't really understand. <laughs> so there's clearly something in my brain, right? Yeah. Where I find some things funny and some things not, right? <laughs> I like to imagine that Matthew as a child, like. One day his brother did a bunch of home alone traps on him. <laughs> well, no, because it's like, I was thinking like, for an example, is that often in, in the cinema, you know this, yeah. uh, something will happen that no one else in the cinema finds funny. And I hear... And I think it's hilarious. And it's it would be like... You know what's funny about that is that we watched a film that has a massive slapstick sequence in it and you were laughing your ass off. And that was Shane Black's The Nice Guys. Because the climax of that film is just Ryan Gosling being beat up and thrown around. Yeah, and, and I don't think I've ever heard you laugh harder than that. That's a funny part. But I'm thinking of things like, like something can be so disturbing or so mm. horrible I find it really funny. Like, yeah. Uh, there's a sequence in Under the Skin where that baby is left <laughs> at the beach to die. And I, I was in, this, in the Princess of Wales Theatre at TIFF with 2,000 oh people around me and I just was laughing at it because it was so hilariously horrible whereas like this is like a type of like hilariously horrible that I just can't gel with so I, you, don't, I don't have any excuses when you were younger did you ever watch America's Funniest Home Videos? Uh, no there's um, mm. You've Been Framed which is the British equivalent of mm. it because there's so much like um, dick punching horror yeah. sadness in that, but everyone laughs every time, including me, and I feel like that's why I laugh so hard at this well, kind of really like exaggerated um, beating up comedy. I never thought of that kind of link to slapstick of American ho- home videos, which is base slapstick that is laughing for you and telling you like that it is funny, that it has a laugh track. Well, I but think, I always laughed at that. Yeah, I think the videos <laughs> speak for themselves, frankly. Like if there's a guy, you know, who's like. Like, hey, watch me skateboard down this banister. And he's super, <laughs> he's super cocky, and then he does it, and then he falls on his ass. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, for example, like America's Home Funny Home Videos, or You've Been Framed. It always felt like dads or something saying something up, and their child would fall over and hurt, and never found that funny. But there's that Japanese show, uh, Takeshi's Castle, yeah. which was like hundred, hundred people all trying to do something. It'd always be like run across uh, stones that would be slippy yeah. and would fall over. And I thought that I honestly still think it's one of the greatest shows on television ever. It's like super funny, and it's kind of because like those people have put themselves in the situation, you know. And so do you feel of... sympathy for the wet bandits? I guess because no, they, they, they want to because they want to kill. Well, it's for me, Kevin. They pull a gun on him at the end. For me, it's shoot the same him. thing as you know when you watch the Roadrunner cartoons. Yeah. And you sort of, I mean, maybe it's just me, you sort of fantasize about the uh, why they could be catching that runner and fucking ripping it to fucking shreds. Yeah. Or like when Jerry's being a pure dick to Tom and you're like, I can't wait to fucking watch Tom just fucking chomp 
fucking Jerry's fucking head right off and spit it in a fucking So you bed. think that it's the arrogance of someone like Kevin McAllister? It's the arrogance. Kevin McAllister, if that fucking, that wee guy, if they'd shot his face off right at the end and he sees like, <laughs> like, like the bullet wound and the blood pouring out of his face and everything, I'd have been like, good. Good. <laughs> Which is funny. As I say, if they murder, if this movie was called Home Alone Two, they kill a child. I'd be like, yes. Kevin is very arrogant for most of yeah, the movie. I think. Yeah, he you is. Know, charging a thousand dollars of room service onto his dad's yeah, credit card. As we established, he has everything he could ever want. He lives a in, bed- a house, in a giant house. Giant house. Crazy right? attic bedroom. And his family sort of ignored him a bit. You know. Yeah. So and these guys have had nothing. They've had to fight their way up. From probably nothing. some some mental health issues. Mental health you issues. Know? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. their parents probably didn't love them, so they've turned to crime. You know? And like Kevin McAllister sets it up so these traps will not actually stop them. It'll just hurt, hurt them, them and not kill them. At one point, <laughs> like a trap smashes against them, and he hears them moan in pain, and he goes, "Yes." Yeah. I assume only because he knows they're still alive and he can do more stuff to them. Yeah, he was planning to like strap them to a chair and like slowly cut off each <laughs> finger and yeah, make he's them like eat it. uh, it's it's like it's like he's like uh, Jared Butler at the beginning of uh, Law Abiding Citizen where he's yeah, got yeah, his yeah, prey yeah. and he's just slowly murdering them. It's not. I mean, in Jared Butler, I'm on his side, yeah. right? Because there's a reason. And for him and doing Kevin that. shares Gerard Butler's like kind of like law and order politics. Actually, do you know, you that's, know. that's that is that's that should be it, the true crossover. Yeah, law abiding citizen versus home alone <laughs> well possibly law-abiding citizen like like you could imagine it as being like the actual like th- the real third entry in the series with kevin all grown up <laughs> sure yeah i mean at the end of the day the home alone movies is like the children of capitalism versus the working class oh exactly michael and us <laughs> yeah trying to yeah. make their way up nice. i mean they're wrong in the way that they're doing it all the wet bandits wanted to do at the end of the day just rob some stuff, right? Well, they, they were stealing from the store and that money was going to go to a children's hospital. I'm thinking mostly of the first one, where they were just oh. robbing stuff from people's houses. Yeah. And in the process... I mean, the, the only thing they did that was really wrong was leaving the taps on, because that's a dick move. <laughs> it is a yeah. dick move. Yeah. <laughs> well, they changed, though. They're, they're the sticky bandits in That's Home right. Alone in the Home Alone 2, right. they're the sticky bandits. And they band- steal from Santa's on the street. But, but as I pointed out, this is the Bill Clinton era <laughs> of uh, the United States, and people get stuff stolen, they're like, meh, it's okay, I'll buy another one. Anyway, um, great movie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's it, a bad movie. I, I say fast forward to the last 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I say fast forward all the way through and just watch Scrooge again. <laughs> <laughs> or Jingle All the jingle Way. All the way. Or Jingle All the Way. Really, if there's anything on this podcast, it's to watch Scrooge and then Jingle All the Way. That's a good double bill. And then, you know, if you hate yourself, uh, Ernest Saves Christmas, you know? <laughs> well, like, I mean, that's like, jing- Ernest Saves Christmas is like the Christmas day where you're like standing on a stool with a noose around your neck. <laughs> and you want a little bit of encouragement to, to just know, kick the stool yeah. away. <laughs> Oh, we pointed out that. Could these... you imagine being discovered with like Ernest Saves Christmas playing on the TV? You know, it's like, kind of like being... and, and the police officers are like, oh, I like this movie. They like sit down and watch it. No, it's not as good as I remember. No, it's, it's, it's like the end of Penn and Teller get killed, where like the police come in and they see Ernest Saves Christmas start shooting, shooting guns. Oh man. Okay, so I hope that we have a good list of Christmas movies there that you can watch. It's a er- terrible list. Ernest Saves Christmas <laughs> is a good movie to put on if you want to like clear a party that you're. Yeah, if you yeah. want to clear your bowels. Wait, didn't, didn't we put on the Ernest Halloween movie when we wanted people to leave a few years ago? And nobody left. Everybody sat down and watched it. Yeah. Like seven people. Why? All the way to the end. Why? Um, do we have any letters this week? No, we do have a few letters, and we're going to save them for next week's episode. Um, you can send them at Loose Cannons Podcast. Not Loose Cannons <laughs> Podcast, you fucking bastard. At Important Cinema Club Podcast at gmail.com. Well... You better not say the words loose cannons in this space ever again. Uh, What? We just did a loose cannons Christmas special for the film uh, I Come in Peace. Check it out now. Check it out. I was going to say, like, because we did only recommend two good movies there, does anyone else have any Christmas movies they want to (laughs) recommend? A loose cannon tradition. Elf. I love Mr. Bean's Christmas because my stepdad made us watch it a lot and um, we made fun of him a lot for it. The turkey on the head is really good. I really don't know if there's anything I can say that, like, people don't already know. Everything's on TV, you know. Uh, I was going to say, actually, that a Christmas movie that I only saw the first time last year that I really loved, and I was surprised much liked it, was Arthur Christmas. Oh, it's great. Ardman animation, because I feel like it's just been overlooked a little bit, but mm. it's a super, super touching uh, film about like Santa's like lesser-loved son and how he proves himself, but it's very moving at the end. I was truly surprised by how much I liked it. If you want to watch a Christmas movie that's jam-packed full of Christmas, but isn't really one, Long Kiss Goodnight. The forgotten Shane Black uh, action film. That is delicious. (laughs) So much Christmas. Carolers, snow, skating. It's all there. 
what's the one that we were crying at yet last year? <laughs> it was um Christmas with the Cranks. We were decorating oh, the tree, film. and and then <sighs> we just got sucked in. And I never thought that I would like Christmas well, with the Cranks. There but, like, is no evidence then, of this. We just Wait, sat you... there and we were no, crying. No. We're like, so, oh no, so that's, this is that's my the whole film heart. for the record where <gasps> Tim Allen, Tim Allen, and Jamie Lee Curtis decide let's not do Christmas. <laughs> the richest year. people in the world, and their yeah. and their horrible neighbors say no, conform, 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 <laughs> yeah. and then they say, you know what, we're gonna conform. Yeah. Another film by Chris Columbus. Yeah, but it had a nice No, ending. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he might have written it. Okay. Um, <laughs> he was involved somehow in it. It was nice. They, um... I was really... I won't spoil it, but it was nice because they did something nice for their neighbors, not the mean ones. Okay. Yeah, I think it was... Yeah, we won't spoil You're going to have to watch Christmas with Christmas the Cranks. Okay, at the end of this podcast, the important cinema club. <laughs> the listeners end up watching Christmas with the Cranks. They're like, you know what? Maybe Deck the Halls is better. Let's put that one on. The film famous for a drunken um, uh, Danny DeVito on The View yeah. spoiling the entire movie. Yeah, the funny thing about that interview was when um, Danny DeVito mentioned that he had slept in the Lincoln bedroom with his with his wife, Rhea Perlman, and he said, we made use of every surface. <laughs> so uh, just imagine. I didn't uh, know they were married. Da- I've been watching da- a lot of Cheers. That's you didn't, you didn't know they were married? married? No, I don't pay attention. Oh, they're, they, yeah. they broke up, didn't they? No, they got back together. I'm, oh, ha- I'm nice. happy to say. You can't, you can't Say no to that DeVito. Yeah. Like, the yeah. DeVito D. Oh, she can't get enough of that. So we're actually going to have an episode that's going to drop on Christmas, and it's a very special episode that me and Will won't spoil. We, I've been wanting to do it for the entire. It was one of my first ideas for an episode for the podcast, and he vetoed me until now. <laughs> and you will be shocked when you hear what it is. Yeah, but it will not be that much of a surprise, really. Yeah. So don't forget to tune in uh, until then, and thank you very much for everybody that participated in this even though it's like 11 o'clock at night oh god (laughs) because Home Alone 2 was two hours long Uh, so I'm Justin the Clue Emily Milling Will Sloan Matthew Kumar thanks for listening oh Oh, don't forget me Santa Claus (laughs) I didn't get to talk at all children you've been very naughty oh my god whoa Santa Santa put down that pal whoa S&M Santa Also, sign up for things. Oh, at FilmTrap.com. Go to the FilmTrap article for this episode, and there'll be a list of Christmas films that we did not mention. What's FilmTrap.com? Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Everybody else has gone to sleep to make sure that Santa can deliver his presents without being interrupted. But I just wanted to remind you that if you want more Christmas cheer... This week's Patreon episode is about Christmas movie turkeys. Me, Will, and Matthew Kumar talk about such opuses as Santa Claus vs. the Martian, Santa Claus the Mexican film where he fights the devil, and maybe Will and Matthew get into a fight about one of the most ridiculous holiday-related things. You won't know unless you join our Patreon. It's $5 a month and you get a new episode every week of the Important Cinema Club that is exclusive to Patreon subscribers. And if you do pay that $5, not only will you get every episode in the future, as long as you keep paying, but you also get our back catalog that at this point is 30 plus episodes. So please subscribe now at patreon.com slash theimportantcinemaclub. And have yourself a Merry Christmas and very happy holidays.